Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers, we're back. This is your host, Tom of Robots. I'm here with Toasty, and I have to apologize for missing last week. I got punched in the face and the throat and the chest with COVID last week, and I'm doing a lot better. You might still hear it a little bit in my voice, but uh, my voice actually works this week, so at least we can do a show. Um, but we are back. We need to wrap up season three of The Witcher. We've got the last two episodes to cover, and we're going to try to knock this out concisely is that the way to say it toasty yeah yeah. this is a good word yeah we'll try to get through it as best we can and um i know we're kind of past the uh, it's not the statutes of limitations the the interest in this if anybody's watching it they've probably already watched it by now they're probably already moving on to other things but we need to wrap it up and get through it so we're gonna go through everything so toasty let's let's talk about episode seven episode seven is probably the least or the lowest rated episode in witcher history the lowest rated episode in witcher history yeah yeah it's basically siri in the desert yeah which i like we can get in uh, obviously the the things about it and like the things i think that like because like i do i i think it's a pretty like accurate episode as to what we like get in the book like we do just get her wandering the desert like uh and i'm sure that's not actually a very entertaining thing which i think contributes a lot there's obviously a lot of people that want to vote negatively on the episodes because of the things they've done wrong with the series um and i'm sure that there's a a decent percentage of people in there that aren't excited about it because Geralt's not in the episode and it's just about women and they, yeah, there's, sure a, there's whole... a good chunk about that. that people don't care about that, which, you know, yeah, whatever. But aside um, from that, this is it, it series. I would just like to state though, go ahead. this is series story. Now this is like the Witcher is not actually about Geralt. It is series story. And we're starting to get more into the fact that it is, series story so for the people that don't like her well you're sol (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, guess what the books all kind of center around her and what's what's going on and she's kind of the the main thing it starts with Geralt, but then it moves on to her it's kind of like uh game of thrones starting with ned stark but it's not ned stark's story (laughs) right like he starts out the story the whole first book is about him but then he's dead and i'm not saying Geralt dies but the story focus moves on to the other characters and mm-hmm. you kind of have that going on here. But episode seven still with all that said, it's a little, it's a little painful. I mean, it drags on it. Yeah. Like she suffers in the desert for what feels like forever. And we kind of yeah. suffer with her, which I'm good. Art makes you feel something. So at least there's that. Right. Yeah. And I can, I definitely like, as I did my rewatch, I definitely like, saw more of these things here but anyways just hopping directly into the episode um she just gets dropped into the desert like actually dropped from the sky into the desert right um right and we're not clear about which desert or where this is like is uh, this in the continent is this in on another plane somewhere like like none of that is clear right right at that moment yeah i think they're actually it's the korath desert um, I don't think there's anything that sells us in the show that this is the Korath the desert, but it, that is where it's supposed to be. And I can't remember exactly where that is. It's called the frying pans to the Southeast of the continent. 
Yeah. So um, we're still in so, the same world. It's not like she went yeah. off to some other planet of existence, you know, realm of existence or something. Yeah. We're just in the very like, because south and east would be like the corner, the bottom right corner, which we don't really see a whole lot of most of the time. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, and then we immediately cut back to Artuza where Yaskier shows up um, and is like, you know, shows up the end of like the war zone that this has become and is like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> runs into Radovid. Uh, they have a little bit of a moment. Yaskier, despite like, understanding that Radovid was using him still like cares and wants to try to help him get back to Redania um, and you know basically tells him what he needs to do to do that and then he runs into Yennefer which mm-hmm. I thought was like a nice little moment of like the witch bard thing because they used to say that as like a derogatory thing with right, each other like right. and now it's like a term of endearment yeah. i like that this was nice they hug it was it was a nice moment yeah um yeah. and then we move over and, to Geralt and his whole predicament yeah so Geralt is at broccolon uh he was brought here by triss he needs to heal because he got fucked up <laughs> by vilgefortz <laughs> which we saw um he's he's pretty pretty bad off um and like we don't see much of other than the fact that he's like in bed. Um, and then I saw, I noticed that I think it's a different actress for Aethna because we saw her in season one mm-hmm. with Siri. Mm-hmm. This is a different actress and they've done her design differently, which like incredibly different because she looked like more of just like a person with like adornments yeah. in the hair and stuff. And now she's like actually got like, they like did like a like painted like bark kind of thing to her like forehead where it looks like she's kind of like tree like which is cool i didn't even realize that was supposed to be the same person that is the same person yeah yep. yeah they don't, i don't think they make a i don't even think they say her name the entire time but this is supposed to be Ithna, like the 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 leader of the dryads um yeah. so okay um then and there's going to be a lot of like popping to different places pretty quickly here. So yeah, pop back it, it to goes the back and forth a lot. Right, right. Um, her shoulder dislocated, um, which they make a point of her relocating it. And I, oh, I hate watching these things in anything. I feel like it's this is so one of those painful. tropes. This is like a TV show movie trope that happens way more in TV and movies than it does in real life. I'm sure it's a thing that happens in real life, but I feel like... It's just one of those like, okay, we need a moment to show somebody being vulnerable and and injured, but we also need an injury that can get fixed relatively easily and won't linger. So let's just pop their shoulder out. Right? Yeah. (laughs) And it's always so disturbing whenever they relocate it because it's like super painful and you get to hear every noise as they do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, thanks. yeah, she basically she does that. She pulls out a coin. It doesn't work. Um, she's like, I think she's just way too far off um, or the magic got messed up. Whatever. The coin doesn't work. The one she used to like right. summon Yennefer before. Um, and then you can kind of get the vibe that there's like someone or something out there that like in the desert as well. Mm-hmm. that is kind of like watching um, and she's just wandering the desert um, and she looks yassified the entire time she's doing it. Yassified? Uh, <laughs> yes, like, yes, specifically, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's, the, that's probably a, 
Gen Z terminology. Dude, but I yeah, need to Google that. I'm too know. I'm too freaking old. Yassified. Yassification is giving someone or something a glow up or make oh, you're talking about all the extra makeup. All the makeup and yeah, stuff I gotcha. that she's got going gotcha. on, okay. even though she's supposed to be like in like like her they even do parts like her face is like burning. Like she's in the sun so much that they got like 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 the like pockmark things going on. But like her contouring on her cheeks is still perfect. It's like it's weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. <laughs> and yeah. It looks it. It's like so. It's so overdone that you can tell, like yeah. how much makeup she is wearing. Right. So it's like it's just a weird thing. Um, yeah. It's like when they switched from regular standard television to HD television, and all for like a, a year or so, all of like the newscasters, you could tell how much makeup was on their faces because they didn't adjust for how clear the the screens were and then they mm-hmm. had to redo the way they did makeup and eventually it looked more natural again for camera but yeah it's kind of they, like that <laughs> they if they can do a weird bark design with like on on Ithna for this which actually looks incredibly good for like a part tree thing they should be able to do just standard makeup yeah, yeah she did look someone. a little goofy yeah um yeah. uh and then she like eats her s- lotion which like is gross it's really gross that part actually made sense to me i'm like she's starving so she's going well can i eat this because i'm I'm, i would eat anything and there's just sand so this is the only thing i have i understand it it's still just gross to watch oh yeah yeah all of the things she is going to consume or nearly consume in this episode are disgusting let's just put that out there Right, right um so uh it turns to nighttime she's wandering through the for the the forest the desert uh singing which i feel like you probably shouldn't do that whenever yeah, you're like i starving dehydrated right i like i saw that as a like uh, a moment of self-comfort or maybe even um she had been alone and wandering so long that she was just starting to just do think like the your brain yeah. does stuff when when it goes through situations where you don't have like human interaction or uh you you in, you're in a dark room too long you start to hallucinate things like your brain actually does other things i saw that as a moment of just like she's starting to lose it a little bit yeah i definitely get that it's just like i i sometimes when i'm dehydrated like swallowing is uncomfortable oh, i can't it. imagine yeah. seeing and like she's not a like a good or talented singer Mm -hmm. so like as far as like vocal method she's definitely doing stuff that are just going to agitate her throat even more which must just feel awful yeah um yeah but But then then Um, she finds a puddle yeah um and it's like weird gross and like slimy yeah uh as soon as that popped up i was like you should know better but of course she's you know She's starving and dehydrated. You're in a so, desert. You see right. what you assume is a puddle. And then like, she just kind of like puts her hands in and she realizes like, she didn't drink it luckily, yeah, yeah, but like she puts yeah. her hands in it and she realizes like, Oh, this is not water. Um, and it turns out to be like, a, okay, first the unicorn shows up. Um, it is like in the distance and it's like, Hey, like, <laughs> look at me. And then it helps to like mm-hmm. warn her of, the sarlacc pit yeah it's basically a sarlacc pit yeah yeah, it's a sarlacc pit with a little water trap yeah yeah like is this the korath desert or is this Tatooine? because this was just weird to me like why is there a sarlacc pit (laughs) unless it's just an easter egg sure i'll take it but it was just like weird because i can't think of any witcher monster that is a sarlacc pit 
yeah equivalent so um and yeah uh and then the horse comes up she thinks it um this horse made me incredibly uncomfortable because you could see its (laughs) genitals in in every frame that this horse is in it shows its genitals right usually usually for film they'll have female horses or they will have castrated male horses um and so that doesn't become a thing like it's just you don't think about it right but it was hard not to think about it because it was some parts of the horse it was basically just that like this thing walks up the first thing you see right this thing walks up you don't see its head you just see its lower half right the camera is framed in a way that like is super uncomfortable yeah and (laughs) it's like and like you'll like every shot that we see this thing spare like two for the rest of this episode is going to include its genitals <laughs> right it's right. just this is the most uncomfortable <sighs> horse and i, I get that ever. perspective of like this is just what horses look like so let's film a natural looking horse and there's a certain amount of respect for moving cinema and film in a direction of like this is how the world really does look so let's just film the way the world actually looks right but at the same time you could frame the cameras it was a weird focus on it right you could frame the cameras in ways where sometimes it shows up but not every time come on yeah Yeah. Um, yeah and then because uh the horses or the unicorn sorry um is like the only other person here and is like she like puts her like it, it seems to be leading her she trusts it completely and walks directly into a sandstorm yeah yeah that's a little yeah like there's there's having faith in something and then there's walking into a sandstorm and that's that's about the dumbest thing ever. like yeah although luckily, once you see a sandstorm a coming minor sandstorm once you're once you're there and the sandstorm's coming it's like you're not getting out of the way true but like like I know some sand like this was a relatively minor because sandstorms could be much worse than this. Mm-hmm. Like uh so she's lucky that it like even though it looks like nightmarish level sandstorm, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, strong winds and sand. Um but whatever. She walks into a sandstorm, uh, she gets out, she finds a lizard. Um, and eats a lizard, right? Uh, or yeah. trying to, or sorry, eats the lizard's eggs. Right, she start. eats the eggs. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then has a hallucination of her mother. Right, which yeah, I think you can attribute to the hallucin the eating of the eggs. There's some it things had enough time to kick it. I think she's dehydrated. Right. She's in a desert. Like Maybe. this. Yeah, this like, is kind of a thing that happens after like lots of starvation dehydration the question i had through a lot of this was what effects is she just like dealing with dehydration and uh fatigue and all of that right like what things are that what things are some nefarious magical force doing to her right like so like for example was the hallucination brought on by something else is the unicorn actually there or is it a hallucination in her mind are a lot of the things she's seeing things that aren't actually there and she's trapped in some sort of magical way that's showing her a lot of things that are false right like what is the level of that and that was never very clearly i think we're just supposed to assume that she's suffering and so she starts hallucinating but yeah. it feels like that that uh, from the beginning with the evil presence thing it made it feel like okay there's something that's causing this to happen to her that's not natural 
it's like intentional from yeah. somebody else yeah and i think that is that is a part of it right um, so it's I'm hard sure to like determine which is which which i think is on purpose yeah um but uh yeah her mother sh she looks terrifying by the way like she looked the i don't know the way they put like the wig on her or something <laughs> like just she looks really scary um yeah uh and obviously they have kind of like a weird like confrontation um where it's obvious that siri has some things to work out when it comes to her mother uh which fair enough respect um and then she like gets angry goes and grabs the lizard beats it against the rock and then like just bites into it yeah disgusting yeah. um yeah and then so later that night she's like sleeping against the rock she has like hallucinations slash dream slash magical influence um where she's talking to a hooded figure in like a bar room um a bar room that we will see later mm -hmm. um and uh i kind of had already guessed that this was like uh with the way they, they were doing this that it was going to be falca um which was great whenever it turned out to be um but it was very like uh it, it was just it was just interesting um and i also like i just was clapping myself on the back because i was like this is the, like i heard them talk and they're doing like a british accent i think um but like the way that their cadence was i was like i heard the scottish for like a second and i was like this is a scottish actor and i looked it up it's a scottish actress uh <laughs> okay i thought it was great hmm. um but you know i'm just giving myself props on that one um and you know what i some of the stuff because i watched this last week i'm trying to decipher my own notes um but the next day yeah i'm looking at yeah, this we delayed like, the we delayed for? the recording this week so <laughs> the research yeah. happened um, a week ago <laughs> uh but yeah she basically the horse leads her she's calling it a little horse now the unicorn leads her to um like a tree um and she's able to like use magic to pull the i don't i don't know if she's or no she didn't she just stabbed the ground a couple of times and then the water like gushed up and i don't think water works like that but whatever you know it's fine mm. um it like gushes up she gets uh, a drink she offers some to the horse which the horse like sniffs it and then turns away mm -hmm. and, she, and it, i think that this was a, a breakdown in like the horse training aspect like for filming because it's, like, <laughs> it's supposed to look like the horse actually drinks because she acts like the horse drinks like you know and like it's like you know there we go now we're both good but it kind of just sniffs it and looks away and she kind of still acts like yeah. he drank the water and it was like right okay right. sure <laughs> um yeah and then we get the calanthe hallucination mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so I, grandma's I time in, like yes and i think a lot of the stuff that we're getting out of these hallucinations um because i specifically i didn't write down the whole context of it but it's basically like her like basically like the lack of power that Siri feels she has and these hallucinations taking the form of things to like ju even judging her more for that. Right. Right. Um, well, for not having control and power and yeah, a lot of problems that she has. This season was a lot like her monologues this season were a lot about her wishing she could do more and feeling held back 
feeling limited by that. And part of that is the fact that she doesn't feel like she can fulfill the role that she was supposed to fulfill. Like mm-hmm. they, they lost the kingdom. She's now been wandering out in the wilderness and, and, you know, with witchers and, you know, sorceresses and, and running away from everybody rather than confronting them. And so she feels a certain lack of being able to follow through with her responsibilities and actually make the yep. world a better place because it is pretty terrible. And she feels like if anybody can do anything, it would be somebody in her position who should be able to be, you know, she comes for royalty and she has vast magical powers. Right. Yeah. Like if she can't make the world a better place, then good luck because nobody else can. And so she's kind of this is coming to light in these hallucinations through her like subconscious is that that was my interpretation of it. Yeah. And there's also a little bit, I think, in this part of like her, like the idea she had for Calanthe here that ended up being like changed drastically whenever she like because we like she obviously had a high victim or high like opinion of Calanthe then she like finds out later that Calanthe like basically just like killed any non-human that like that came across or whatever and of course her being of the elder blood she is not completely human and so it's like kind of coming to terms with like you know I was wrong you were not this high and mighty figure I perceived you to be you kind of sucked um as yeah. well yeah um and then you want to read this next this next note that i put uh, Tom? don't punch rocks mm-hmm. don't punch rocks don't punch rocks uh, which i thought was hilarious because i said that out loud i wrote this and said don't punch rocks and then immediately after and i had already seen it but i had forgotten that this happened um and falca shows up to say don't punch rocks <laughs> <laughs> like she pops in and she's like don't punch rock it was yeah. like yeah life lesson thinking on the same page here yep yep good advice (laughs) Um, don't punch rocks unless you're playing minecraft you can punch rocks in minecraft yeah um but this is the moment where we get the like the reveal of uh the like where this hooded figure is falca Mm -hmm. um and we will come to find out that she is the basically the representation of the magic of fire like fire magic um which makes sense she like was burned at the stake for the things that she did um so she became a part of fire um i thought this was this was clever but i also understand and i'll get to that at the end of the episode the things that people disliked about this particular like representation of it um but it's also like there was some really like creepy stuff about her like if you noticed like her ears were like cut and then like stitched together mm-hmm. to look like elf ears right 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 because it was like yeah ah like that was that was freaky the detail right. on that like ooh, right the um, whole like they treated me as if i was an elf even though i wasn't or whatever she has a line there where she talks about that mm-hmm so it was like oof oh gosh um and we get in big into the like uh the temptation of fire um like because she's obviously she doesn't have the power in this situation and fire is pure power that's exactly what it is Mm -hmm. um we continue on she runs into a big desert bug um i don't know what kind of monster it is um and like but she basically dodges a few times the horse distracts 
the thing and then gets stabbed uh and then she like leaps onto it rips off a part of its like chitinous shell and then like beats its head in with it yeah um yeah which i th- like i thought this mm. was the weakest fight of the season yeah um, yeah i think it's supposed to establish like, how capable she is even the, in this dire situation but it was a little bit over the top yeah it was over this and it's like the part that like really gets is like her just ripping off part of it like this thing like yeah this is a giant like armored bug thing like that thing is like gotta be sealed like she's not just like we know she trained but she doesn't actually have like enhanced strength or anything right so like for a four what 14 16 year old girl to just rip off well heck even for a grown man who's not a witcher to do something like that would have done that i would have been like i don't know about that one so much but it kind like maybe um but yeah yeah, it was definitely like a that's weird um but little horse is super injured um she puts (laughs) i'm sorry some of these things tiny rag (laughs) she puts a fucking like handkerchief over it yeah it was more of a here's all i've got here's what i can do for you it was like i get it but also it looks so stupid Mm -hmm. um but yeah so she's she wants to help little horse and like heal it because it's also like poisoned because of this um and like she gets the temptation of fire basically being like you know like if you use fire you can like purify the wound and heal him um and so she does um and then gets visions of like everyone that she knows dying horribly (laughs) uh immediately regrets it um and then seemingly relinquishes her powers right That's now, now was that her issue. subconscious feeling guilty was that like what is the, so many of these moments it's like what is the origin of that thing what caused that to happen right like yeah so i think it's all just like a fever dream less of a like this is less of like a hallucination more like like obviously we know that fire consumes whenever you use it right like it, it, it uses it. you You're, the magic that they normally they'll pull from some other source and put it somewhere else but fire has this thing where it, it consumes the caster themselves on some yeah, level so like yeah yennefer you know she used fire magic she got her powers taken away for the time um and then in this situation siri used it and seemingly has to give up her powers because it was going to consume her completely if she didn't um and then she gets kidnapped by some like random people um yeah yeah uh and then we go back to broccolon um we've been in the desert this whole time back to broccolon uh gaskier is like trying to enter um they're like no we're not allowed here and then he sings apparently like a a dryad's most like vulnerable song choice because they all start like crying and they're like you can enter now because we're so sad (laughs) it was a weird right okay i can't remember he does that in the books but i don't think it was weird um (laughs) my alexa just keeps fucking making shit happen weird weird mine does that Um, too sometimes yeah uh and then we get to see like we see milva um i can't remember if we saw her earlier in the episode as it's hard to remember all the details we probably did mm-hmm. um but this is supposed to be milva she'll be traveling with Geralt later um 
Uh, and I like the actress choice they did for this. Um, mm-hmm. She was she was in Shang Chi, um, like as a uh, Shang Chi's sister, uh, and like oh yeah, obviously she knows how to she, like they're trained in like martial arts. Like it wasn't that that movie was like these people know what they're doing. Like because I so she's gonna know how to fight. I'm not sure how that's gonna translate with like more European medieval fantasy style fighting, but. Like we'll see. Yeah. I guess we'll see how that develops. I feel like I feel like they've brought in like the series has always had a diversity of uh, of our own human races among the population, which I think shows a certain diversity among the populations here and cultures that have kind of combined over time. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more, you know, like Eastern style combat and stuff from certain cultures. Like I'm fine with that. Yeah, um, but. Yaskier comes in and tells Geralt about Siri, mm-hmm. and so, and that's how where we end. That's the, the end of that episode. So that's and, the desert episode. <laughs> and yeah, then, and I think so. Obviously, to get it out of the way, um, but like basically, I think a part of it, part of the thing that people also really don't like, like the real like book heavy or book leaning person people, is that like in the books, Siri like uses fire. Because like throughout this journey through the desert, she basically convinces herself that she's like she's strong enough to control fire without the consequences. Um, and the way they do it here doesn't really present it as her being like like the cockiness getting her. Yeah. And it's more of like desperation to right. save a friend. So it doesn't have the same impact. Um, and I I think like that's understandable and I I agree uh that that's kind of does take away from it i didn't think about that whenever i initially watched it but after like you know doing a bit of like research to like remind myself i'm like okay yeah that's actually a very significant difference to like her mental state as far as fire was concerned right right yeah yeah it's it's just another another one of those changes so Mm -hmm. yep all right well we've got episode eight to get to but first we have to go thank our patrons so we will be right back very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and we've got a new patron. Actually, an old returning patron, Genesis, signed back up as a Tier 4 patron. So she'll be joining us at the patron chat, which is coming up pretty soon. I mean, we, we I skipped a week, week, so it's, it's next week already because I was sick last week. So on the 28th, we'll be getting together with all our patrons and talking about some stuff, whatever they decide. And you're welcome to join us if you want to sign up on the Patreon, uh, as long as you're a Tier 4 or higher patron then you can join us at patreon.com slash witcher lorecast and we also have to shout out our higher vampires ben of tamaria and jared m thank you for your support and also remind you that if you'd like to help out the show you can leave us a review on apple podcasts and we'll read it out on a future episode and that's all we got for the middle of this episode so let's keep going with episode eight here we go 
You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. All right, we're back. All right, so let's let's get into episode eight. We've got now we're past the desert, and yep, this we are back in. Or go ahead. This is the finale episode, and it's the finale. It I kind of I don't know. My sense of it was like, eh. <laughs> How yeah. did you feel? Um, and yeah, we'll talk like more overall thoughts. I think at the end. Uh, but we're back in Broncolon. We get Milva taking care of Geralt's. Um which is like she's real like kind of like aggressive and confrontational with it um but he's i mean it's fair he's kind of in that like i think that mind state of like you know it's like sort of hopeless um yeah he's just kind of a big bummer for most of this yeah um but we get like a hint of like her backstory um so this in this situation she's one of the dryads i think that was like human before and has like kind of transitioned Mm -hmm. and you kind of tell she looks still for the most part human right and Um, she she acts very human she doesn't act and fall in line the way that some of these other dryads do uh yeah and then one of the funnier yaskier lines is just like (laughs) he's like witnessing their like bickering and he's like there's a very weird energy here. <laughs> right. And yeah. You are correct. There is a weird energy. Yeah. That's it was one of those. So by this point, it was like the bickering came across to me as just kind of awkward and forced. And then Yaskier pointing it out was supposed to be like hanging a candle on it to make us as the audience feel like, oh, yeah, that was intentional. It's this is fine. But even that felt a little bit awkward and forced like all of this okay. the dynamics between the three of them just they just didn't land for me and okay. i can't put my finger on it maybe that's just me i don't know okay that's fair um but they uh yeah i think he gets like the uh or that he like something comes to him like a realization that he needs to get like Geralt needs to get better um so he agrees to like actually try uh and they bring in like the waters of broccolon uh to heal him where it's this more kind of like mystical healing ritual um they're like burning like herbs and then like pour the water into his wounds where it like burns like mm-hmm. it's like sizzling um so we and we know that these waters have like kind of like mystical properties um, but they don't work now is that because um, he's a mutant like why wouldn't they work on him like i, I didn't I, I didn't quite gather I think that it's something to do with i think with the fact like the mutations and stuff yeah. like making him like more resistant to like magical means of like manipulating or, or, his body which yeah. even includes healing sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. so I don't know. uh but he tries to tough it out and he's just like he just gets up and he starts like walking up <laughs> and obviously it's not like he's he's messed up it's not gonna work out very well i think milva comes out there and just like yanks the crutch out and he falls um which you know rude but also uh, if you're making a point fair enough yeah like you're not Um, okay to just get up and walk and leave yeah yeah lay back down uh and then we cut over to yennefer who has like a small meetup with uh crack on crate um she's obviously still trying to find siri this is her like skellige like um point here where she's like is she in skellige and he's like nope we have no idea and we uh get a little bit of insight of that skellige is 
allegiances, uh, allegiances, allegiances strictly depend on where Ciri's allegiances lie. Because if she al- allies with Nilfgaard, Skellige has to ally with Nilfgaard. Right. Um, right. We talked about so, the connections between that royalty in the past with some of those characters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like her Calanthe's husband, she married into like a Skellige right. like line. Right. I can't remember. Yeah. And even Malsak was originally from Skellige and then goes back there. Yeah. In the. Um, in the stories and not the show. <laughs> um, and so the sorceresses, uh, we see all of them together. They go to like the castle that we saw in, like the first half of the season with the um, like the hand monster that Geralt fought, um, mm-hmm. where we found out all those girls are going. They reverse the spell um, to like turn them back into their regular form, which I guess gives them their heads back because if we remember, yeah, their heads were on a wall, right? Like. And their heads are like now back on their bodies. Um, and they find, you know, these are the missing girls that Triss had been talking about. They leave, they start f- like fighting. There's obviously going to be bickering between like all of these very strong personalities, especially like Tessaia and Philippa, who are not exactly allies in this situation. <laughs> they got beef. Uh, and yeah. Yennefer yeah. urges them to, you know, that they need to be a more united front rather than like this all this bickering and picking sides um Fringilla now, and that's not exactly okay. book accurate either the idea that yennefer is the one who's trying to like quell them and bond yeah. them together yeah it seems like they're trying to give her credit for the lodge um yeah whenever the credit to the lodge goes to philippa so we're gonna see where they go exactly with that maybe this is like yennefer's sowing the seeds for philippa to like change her mindset to then create the lodge, I hope so. I really don't right. want them to just give it to Yennefer. Well, it, it, it also feels like they've swung the pendulum. Like season two was like Yennefer's worse than we thought she is, and then this season it's like no, she's better than we thought she is. And it's like, can we just land in the middle where she actually is, according to the books? yeah, where she's the more <laughs> accurate version of her, where right. she's a bitch, but she still generally does the right thing for Siri, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> um, we head to Nilfgaard. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where, like, if this is actually part of Nilf, like, where this is at. Like, it's not Sintra. Um, it's, like, a really, like, gaudy yeah. castle made of, like, black marble and gold or something. Like, it's fucking ridiculously over the top. Um, but it doesn't really matter where it's at. Um, Fringilla is trying to basically, like, vie back for power here. Uh, mm-hmm. with Nilfgaard and Amir. Um, I particularly like the quote of like, I do have to say Frangilla death, it becomes you <laughs> because, you know, she essentially died and then is now doing better at what she's supposed to be doing than she was before. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to basically like pin a spot for the elves again, like let the elves have Sintra. Frangilla will be like the ambassador um and amir agrees to a point and then says no no like you can take the old and like the the old people and the children there but all of the able-bodied elves have to fight for nilfgaard right the scoyatel are mine and they need to fight for us you don't have a choice about that yeah jessica does not like that nope uh understandably um but you know they're not really in a position to negotiate he's He's in a very strong position of power. Um, 
then we head back to Redania, uh, where Dijkstra informs Vitsamir um, about everything that's going on. Vitsamir is very unhappy with <laughs> what Dijkstra has managed not to accomplish um, and basically says, like, you know, I know you really liked Philippa. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's going to kill her. And it's like, damn, dude. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Dijkstra does his best to try to, like, uh, I don't know, market his accomplishments in a more He's trying to I, better he, light. I think Vitsimir yeah. says it very specifically, like, don't try to handle me. Yeah. That's what Dijkstra's trying. He's trying to handle Vitsimir because he's so far, he's been able to do that. Vitsimir's a dipshit, um, but he's finally like showing like maybe he wasn't just this the entire time. Yeah. Like there's a there's a, a play to that. Um Back in Broccolon, Geralt is training. Um, and <laughs> Milva accuses Yaskier that he doesn't actually care about Geralt. Yeah, he basically says, like, you know, you don't actually care about this, Geralt as a friend. You this whole, it's only, like he just did all this stuff for him. Like, like, yeah, I, I, I like didn't some like, of this I stuff mean, just doesn't it doesn't. For maybe she's just unfamiliar and she doesn't Milva's trust him. perception of the fact that he's just a bard. Like she doesn't right. see like what he's right. done. She just sees that he's a bard. And like she's like, you're just trying to milk a last song out of him. To which like, yes, he replies like, I can get three songs and an epic poem out of this at least. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That, the response was good. But again, that whole dynamic with Milva is like. Are you what we're coming out of left field with this stuff and we're not there with she's you. very like, confrontational and sometimes yeah. it's just unjustified confrontation right but I and, think that is kind of like her character yeah um so and like this will be as much of like the stuff we see with her will be as much of like a, a learning process for her as well right. um because I think she like part of her past is that she was like really taken advantage of and has a lot of distrust for people and obviously like that's just showing here yeah. she doesn't trust anyone for the saying who they are like, right but then she has a heart to heart with Geralt yes um and you know what last Monday I probably would have had a really fresh thought about what this heart to heart was about can't remember <laughs> it all now <laughs> so, <laughs> that's fine uh, but but they like some of the friction goes away here is kind of the point of this right yeah. like there there was some tension and then the you have this this show does this a lot and every every modern story does it where like Carol's characters have to start at like very far distances from each other and seem like they're never going to get along and then they do right like yeah. or like well, somebody has to ask somebody to do something and they will never do it and then all of a sudden they will and it's mm -hmm. like it's like they're doing that with these characters they're like we have to show them in conflict with each other like they're never going to cooperate so that eventually they can and there's a payoff okay yeah so um but where am i at Jeez. To say um we go back to yeah, we go yeah. back to to Artuza um and Yennefer and to say have uh, a heart to heart as well um and we're to say is obviously feeling like she's obviously been out of it since episode six when she find out like Vilgefortz was a traitor right um and she lightning so herself basically yeah she's blaming herself um well, lightning herself too like yeah magic so she's worn out emotionally and magically went through something most people never will ever experience yeah her hair is white now right it's yeah. it like turned completely white after that the alzler's thunder um and we also find out the the uh 
we never actually know the reason for all of this, like in the lore, you know, like in the actual lore, but like for the show, they're basically saying that Taseya came up with the idea of removing a sorceress's uterus so that men would take them more seriously. Right. So they, they couldn't be relegated as baby machines. Yes. And they would have no, no, you know, draw. It's kind of like a witcher being infertile. They would have no draw to motherhood and uh, being bound by those kinds of, you know, parenting issues and all of that, or having a husband in order to have children, they'd be a little bit more free to yeah. make their own decisions. Uh, which, yeah, I, it makes sense. But also like, I felt, you know, something I've, there's a thing about like some fictions where like, you don't need to explain everything about it. Sometimes things can just be as it is mm -hmm. and you never know the reasoning. And I think that's perfectly fine. And I was perfectly fine with, you know, sorceresses being infertile and not having explanation for it. Um, but you know, it, it's whatever. Um, and Yennefer is trying to basically like reel her back in, like, you know, like find your strength. Like we need you. This is obviously like a daughter, like, you know, crying out like for her mother to like. Right. And it feels like present. it's in my work. And then. Yeah. And I'll put a little content warning here. Um, hopefully everyone. you've already seen the episode before you're listening to this. But if you haven't yeah, um, content yeah, warning. or if you want to skip this part, content warning for self-harm and suicide. Um, skip ahead like 20 seconds <laughs> if you don't want to hear it. But to say a. Uh, uh, slits her wrists uh, and kill, like killing herself. And Yennefer uh, basically feels it, uh, which I thought was clever. I didn't ever think about it. Um, but like when Yennefer in the first season tries to kill herself via slitting her wrists, it actually drew a direct parallel to this moment. Hmm. Um, okay. Which I think is a clever thing to do way back when. Um, but yeah, so. To say is gone is is right and it's actually like a sad death because like you know they just had this moment of like it's like it seems like but it didn't and meanwhile the whole time this is happening we're hearing like her her like last letter to yennefer um yeah. which i think she calls her piglet like in it it's yeah like, yeah it's kind of touching in that kind of that yeah that kind of way yeah like um yeah but now like this is kind of like one of the like last straws for Yennefer. So she goes to Broccolon um, and basically like, you know, is talking to like, I thought that was nice. Like she needed Geralt. She needed to talk to Geralt. And we see that Geralt mm -hmm. like feels like the pain, like it hurts him to like see the pain that she's in because mm -hmm. he like sheds the thug tear. Um, <laughs> the thug tear? <laughs> yeah, just a single yeah, thug yeah. tear. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's a good way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but he tells her like you have to heal me. Like I I gotta find Siri and you are needed to like lead the sorcerers. So you can't devote your energy to finding Siri anymore. So I have to. So you have to heal me. Um, and so she does, I think for the m most part, I think there's still some like latent injury there. Um, yeah, but he's, he's on the way to getting better. That's kind of the idea is that he's physically and emotionally in the place where he needs to be in order to progress at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get the assassination of King Vitzabir. Yeah. So this was fun. 
uh Radovid talks to Vitsimir uh for a little bit uh, when he returns we get Philippa who like comes in does like a weird like check-in and leaves uh and then like goes to see Dijkstra where Dijkstra is basically ready to like offer himself up as like the person who needs to die because that's what Vitsimir said he didn't say he said someone needs to die right, right. Philippa was his choice right and Dijkstra was like I'm willing to die so that she gets to live it's that's an interesting like honorful honorful is that the right word uh honorable that's the right word uh kind of thing yeah. for him to be doing I, I that struck me as a little bit weird like the fact that it, he was like, that willing they make a weird and it's always like not described like but like they are in a relationship like they are together right it's like in a in it's, a way it's and a it's weird like, dynamic she it's, obviously doesn't quite have the feelings for him that he does for her right yeah but like um but like you know she makes a point of like you know i knew i could trust you with my life but like this is not my plan um and so we see like that vitsamir gets assassinated by like her like handmaiden right lady, right her. the one that we saw earlier yeah yeah, yeah. um so vitsamir is assassinated um and then we crown king radovid <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely um, still blood on the crown i love your little note there <laughs> there's, she like picks yeah, it up yeah she, like, the whole thing is it, like this shocking like, situation and then they just take control of it and they're like yep and we gotta crown you praise the new king well, it's or obviously whatever. like Long-lived. still in philippa's control like this yeah. is all part of her plan because yeah. she like saw radovid as more easily manipulated uh manipulated um and it's like okay well we put him as king and we can just kind of run things the way we see fit um but yeah like she picks it up out of a pool of blood and then like she like wipes like a little like two inch portion of it and i'm like there's definitely still like so much blood on this crown like there's right. no way there's not right. but what is but you know that's also i there's a bit of symbolism there that i can get behind um back in nilfgaard frangilla and francesca are talking about how they're gonna like get one up on amir basically and then frangilla accidentally lets slip about uh the baby situation mm-hmm. and that she knew that amir had her baby killed and now francesca does not trust frangilla anymore yeah like um, oops like we were gonna be best buds but oh yeah you screwed me so i guess we're not best buds anymore yeah yeah this friendship is over um yeah but we get back to uh Broccolon. um yaskier gives the best joke of the season because he's writing a song and he's making a lyric about the wind howling uh-huh. howling wind uh-huh. um which is definitely uh a witcher 3 reference because right. every time Geralt's like kind of idle he's like winds howling yeah 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 it's it's a <laughs> line that pops up a what lot this is uh, i, the I wind's thought this howling. was hilarious yeah um yeah and then dara shows up right i guess dara's at broccolo which is a little weird but whatever he's obviously got some stuff that he needs to like you know get off his chest um and like he has like a thing where he like tells Geralt like you know find her and then i'm gonna assume this is the last we're ever gonna see of him in this show yeah i found it odd that he was just all of a sudden there but it made sense from a story reason to kind of have him uh because he's been involved in a lot of different ways throughout the story and yeah, for him to into be the tying up loose ends part yeah, of this episode of like yeah. everyone who was part of this part of the story 
who like doesn't isn't going to serve significance in the next part or they're kind of saying goodbye to these people yeah that's what that feels like but it you know it it made sense from a story reason it just didn't make sense from a location reason but okay yeah like maybe um, maybe everyone goes to broccolon forest when they need to spend some time alone with a bunch of other people yeah um so yeah Geralt makes an elixir it's unconventional it's not the same usual ingredients but he makes an elixir for himself uh drinks it we get a fight scene which was pretty cool um of him just fighting like dryads um but like the it was it was still a pretty like nice like stretched out like combat scene I think it was like a one take thing as well because mm-hmm. I think it's more of like a rotating camera rather than cutting yeah um which yeah. I thought you know so it actually ended up looking good um I didn't mention the part of the whole thing where every time Geralt tries to do something, Milva like shoots an arrow in his direction and says dead. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. That was the thing for a while. um, But it's like, it's fine. He's back on his game. He's ready to go. Um, I can't remember the context of why I said, but I I mentioned how ostentatious Nilfgaard is. So that's not important anymore. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oh, right. We're in Nilfgaard again. And Siri (laughs) has arrived. Or false Siri. We get the false Siri, but then you have a note here. Spider forts. (laughs) Yeah, so Vilgefortz is like, he got like messed up in that explosion and right. he has like, you know, fixed himself up. But he looks like a spider. Like he has got like, he's got like two more eyes on his forehead. It's like, or like things that look like eyes. I don't know. It's like half his face is melted off in this really weird sort of way. And he has like a, a fully black like orb for an eye. And then there's like another orb here. And then maybe one in his cheek. It's or weird. Something. Yeah, it's he weird. He looks like a spider. Yeah, it's, um, it's weird. Like spider forts, spider forts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. does whatever a spider forts does i don't know um <laughs> but like false siri shows up you know amir like says like welcome home and like you could tell this dude is like he knows this is not his daughter right right this is a political ploy this is all part of that whole thing and, yeah but like yeah in i don't know how much of a point we're gonna get onto this into other seasons but like part of this is that like vilgefortz was supposed to deliver and like he tells amir like you know this is siri and that be, creates a big conflict of like, you know, because Emir finds out that it's not actually Siri. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like, he doesn't, Vilgefortz doesn't tell him like this is part of the political right. plot. So you Amir think, just like you think it out in the show it. version, he already knows. Yeah, I think, well, like the way his facial expression was whenever he like looked at her, mm-hmm. he was definitely like a moment of like, no, mm-mm, like this isn't correct. Yeah. Like yeah, something about this feels wrong. Could so be. he's in, I think he's incredibly, he's been manipulating people this entire time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he manipulated himself into having Siri as a child. So like we, we know that he's like, he's smart. Um, yeah. So then we get then, the, uh, introduction to the rats. This yeah, so, part was actually pretty cool. I felt like this yeah. worked pretty well. Yeah, so Siri's like tied up with this other dude in a bar from those people that like kidnapped her out of the desert. Um, and she like basically gets the knife off of him, kicks it over, and then like this group shows up and proceeds to just murder this bar. <laughs> um and like it's a really cool fight scene. Like there's some really like cool like sword techniques and stuff in in this fight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like other method, like we see like each rat uh is different 
like they have the different methods they're doing these people right. that seem to be like different real, personalities well, sword and, play. Yeah. there's a big dude who just slams people's heads in a bar right. it felt like, like a D party thing. is what it felt like yeah, it felt like this D sure. party showed up a bunch of murder hobos and they did their thing and then series like yeah i'm badass too check this out and yeah, it was um, like all right cool yeah uh so yeah and then they basically like give her a sword to like kill the man who kidnapped her um and we get like a cruel kind of side of this because like siri is just like very much playing with this dude mm -hmm. and is like cutting him to like hurt him rather than like she doesn't just kill him right away yeah like she's like toying with them yeah. and it's kind of cruel which for, like what we've seen which plays into the whole like if we're gonna go down this dark path of siri then why not have the story of the desert of her being too self-assured of her ability to control fire that feels like it plays <laughs> into the dark path instead of her being convinced into it you know like I don't yeah. know. It, like that's yeah. part of part of where this series has these hiccups is that those kinds of arcs are not consistent, and yeah. that would have that been a more consistent arc. Yeah. Um, but Geralt and Yaskier go through like a Nilfgaardian checkpoint um, somewhere here in the. It seems. I, yeah. Rockland's pretty far. I don't think that Nilfgaard's supposed to be this far north yet. Um, or maybe they're heading is, south. But like, maybe that's the idea is that they're traveling south and they got to the border. That was my assumption. Oh, yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because they I can't remember. He got information, I think, for where. So, yeah, I guess he is traveling south. Um, it just seems like they're still kind of on the edge of that same forest. But it, I guess it's just a different forest. Yeah, um, my, my sense is they've been traveling for a while and they just happen yeah, to cross a border. They get through it. Yeah. Um, and then like the Nilfgaardian, like he trades his like uh, Rinfri brooch yeah. as like the the payment for getting through, um, which is obviously like a significant thing because he's been holding on to this. He even had it as part of his sword for a time. Right. Um, but then we see a family getting kind of like hassled by these Nilfgaardians, guardians. Uh, and so we get, you know, night Geralt's uh, here. Yeah, white he night Geralt kills this entire encampment of soldiers. Yeah. Uh, which is also another cool, like these are cool fights. I think this whole episode had like really cool fight scenes. Um, and then he like, there's like a moment I think where he like kind of extends out like towards the kids and like the kids don't shirk away, which does feel wrong because like normally like that's kind of the whole like thing with like Gerald is like he does these things to help people, but because of who he is, everyone is more scared of him, right. especially whenever he murders. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a reflection uh, of that first story he tells where he saved the, the poor girl and then she ended up more scared of him. It's yeah, but it's this one thing. didn't she, they were like accepting, yeah. um, which I don't know if that's supposed to be important or if they just forgot, that, you know, this is not how it works. <laughs> this is not usually what happens, but okay. Um, we yeah. get the last dear friend letter, uh, again, I can't remember what it said, but it's, it's the last dear friend letter from Unifer to Geralt's, um, and he gets a new roach, uh, Milva shows up. I think she like shoots the last guy. So they're now all journey journeying together. Um, and we see Geralt kind of walking off into the mists with them and he is leaving his Rinfrey brooch behind. Right. Right. Um, which I personally like this detail because like, I, it makes me feel like that's like, and I think I said this in the last episode, but like, this was his thing. Like Renfri and her brooch was like Henry Cavill's like 
thing but this belonged to him this wraps up like him leaving it behind wraps up like his story and so like i I liked that touch because it felt like more personal to henry cavill right um right so um and then we get call me falca call me me siri is now calling herself falca Mm -hmm. which Um, is again a little bit weird I mean, she kind of needs an alias here. Like she's right, obviously take like, on... she's the number one most wanted person in the character, but she also feels like she's like, like she's on a new path. She's like on this kind of like rebellious path, and this was like right. But she fell for the whole fire use thing and then rejected it. But then takes the name of the fire user fire itself. Like you see, like that doesn't it doesn't line up. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a little weird. Um, Okay, but then we get a uh, another song. Yeah, we get the new Yaskier song at the end, like in the end credits, which is a great song. I liked it. Yeah, yeah the songs have always there been, was some parts in good. it that were like, like kind of metal, like like there's like a whole part where there's like these like guttural chanting or whatever, and I was like, <laughs> damn, okay, like right. they kind of went in on this, but like yeah. Uh, so at least we'll have like even if you thought that this season was horrible and there's no redeeming qualities this song is still good you can at least agree on that right (laughs) yeah i still feel like this was the of the three seasons this one was better than the second season generally but it's still it still falls into some of the same storytelling problems like we've discussed in this episode um now whether it 100 percent aligns with the lore or not that's a whole other thing but the like sometimes it just doesn't just as like yeah it just doesn't feel right sometimes i think that there's kind of a thing and i got this off of i've been listening to like a a podcast or whatever people who like they just like play video games and they talk about them essentially um and they like were talking about like fallout 3 and they were saying like compared to like fallout 1 and 2 like um and you know whatever shade here this is not my words this is theirs but they're basically saying like it felt like bethesda took like took the fallout thing and like had these perceptions of like what they thought fallout was supposed to be right and like used those and but didn't execute it to in the same way like to have the same meaning as like the original creators of the game like right. they took things right. and used the same elements they just didn't use them properly yeah i, I would kind of think i would expand on that and say that here. they t- they took certain elements and highlighted those elements more and then they downplayed other elements um yeah so you ended and up with certain things that just were out of balance compared to the originals so yeah and i think that you can put that kind of argument into like thing here like this is kind of like you see like they had a certain perception and like but they just didn't they played up certain things a bit more than they needed to and then didn't t- like didn't keep to the things that they needed to keep to that right. actually make the story. Yeah, my biggest my is. biggest complaint is the like sometimes the writing writing just feels heavy handed and sometimes the the characters are not consistent. Like it this happened a lot. Um, so over the last ten years or so, we've gotten writing for shows like this has progressed to the point where you have these arcs, right and every episode plays into the next episode and no episode is just kind of its own thing. But you go back to like the nineties, like the X files, let's use that as an example. There's the main story arc that happens every like two or three episodes. But in between those episodes, you would have these one-off stories 
that just happened off on the side, right? So you had the main alien arc, and maybe in a season of 20 episodes, there were like seven or eight episodes that were the main alien arc, but everything else was in between. And so that main alien arc felt consistent because it was often the same writers that were writing that arc. But the in-between episodes, you'd see different aspects of the characters that were just were a little bit different. Um, and then over time with shows like Buffy, shows like we get to the late 90s, early 2000s, you had more of every episode was basically an arc that was part of the whole. And then now that's that's how TV shows are done everything is an arc and plays off of everything else. Everything from past episode has to carry forward with the next, but you still have different writers for each episode. So sometimes different writers will carry the arc forward in different ways, but sometimes that feels like you just get this like flip flop. Like yeah. the, the writer of episode three didn't realize what the writers of episode two and four were really doing with the character. And so you get a little bit of a backtrack. Um, and that, this show kind of feels like that sometimes. Yeah. And I think maybe like, because obviously we're getting into like some of the other like out like, extraneous things. We're talking about the fact that like, you know, Henry Cavill left the show. We're not going to have him anymore. And like, I know that there was a lot of contention before the season of like, you know, like what was the reasoning? Cause there was obviously like, you know, and I was kind of, I was on the front of like Henry Cavill, you know, this wasn't like his fault situation because obviously he left and it was like a lot of drama there. And we assumed because he can't say why, obviously like there's, there's probably like contracts and shit in place of right. keeping him from like saying bad things about Netflix or like the, the runners of the show or whatever. Um, but we all assumed it was like, you know, they just didn't hold true and they really, they just veered off so far at this point that like he just lost faith in the show um and then there was stuff with like netflix saying like you know like no he just made like he made some of the female like yeah actresses feel uncomfortable right. and, like, he made, and he's been a pain in the butt like, to everybody and all like, of that stuff yeah i think yeah. we can say that like that's I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Like, yeah. Or, yeah, or he see, was just disgruntled with the whole situation that he was just kind of a pain in the butt to the people who were in charge because yeah. he wanted to be in the big like, pain in the butt, you know, but like in here with the season, like obviously they had an improvement, but like they, there's very important things that they just like lacked yeah. on. And I'm sure yeah. he tried to advocate, like, this is the reason why the story is like, like, you know, the serious situation. I'm sure there was part of him that was like, this is the reason why, like, it's important for Siri to think that, like, to be overconfident and try to control fire rather than there being a desperation thing. And, like, you know, they were just like, no, we're just going to go with this story. Yeah. So, yeah. Season like, one felt yeah. like, and this is another analogy, and we'll kind of wrap up the show. Season one felt like one of the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Season two and three felt like the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, where it's like the writers just had to make up their own stuff, but you no longer had the magic of the original work. You know, like think about the first season of Game of Thrones. It sticks really closely to the book. It's really close. And because of that, it's really good. And then as that show went on, eventually they went past where the book and they had to they had to just make stuff up. And at that point, it just didn't feel the same. You just had these big jumps and big changes for characters. And, um, you know, and it's 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 one thing to have a really good author write something and be consistent within their own work and then hand that off to a bunch of other people who 
are they aren't that same caliber of of author and that's just what happens i guess um it's well, unfortunate to say one one really good thing about this this latter half of the season is that they only said the word monoliths one time <laughs> as long as that happened you were you were happy with it <laughs> that's true i mean I they was did much they did stay away from they, the other stuff that we were afraid they were going to do after they did the whole that whole one-off thing whatever that was called i don't remember the name of it anymore blood origins blood origins yeah we were so afraid blood oranges was going to like make the season they, even they, worse. They, it was obviously involved because like that book was the thing from blood origins but like the book of monoliths yeah but like they didn't make a point on any of this stuff except for istrid being obsessed which is like okay at least they stuck like to his character that was like, fine he's got an obsession yeah. with monoliths for some fucking reason and at least the whole time he was obsessed with monoliths <laughs> r2's was burning down around him but you know what? I got to get that book, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. They were consistent in his character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, those are our thoughts on the uh, ending of season three. And uh, who knows what we'll get for season four with the writer strike and all of that stuff and when that'll happen. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to review that and maybe it'll be OK. I guess we'll wait and see. Um, Tess, do you have anything else you want to share before we head out? Um. I also uh, do the Cyberpunk Lorecast, um, as well as the Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast, Cyberpunked, Cyberpunk Apostrophe D. Um, this was, uh, obviously we're coming up on Phantom Liberty, so I'm sure we're going to get uh, into that more on the Lorecast, um, as well as just, the, it was fun because yesterday marked the uh the like day that Johnny Silverhand uh, blew up Arasaka Tower, right? Yes. In, in Cyberpunk, it happens August twenty, August twentieth, twenty twenty three. Um, which you know, you know, I heard that there was like a five point five magnitude earthquake <laughs> in California. Oh no! Coincidence? Uh-huh. And a hurricane? Yeah. Well, you know, like it, hurricanes. Yeah, the hurricane's just weird. Like that's just <laughs> wild. I think that's the first hurricane they've gotten since 1938. Yeah, something like that. Just wild. But who knows? Maybe maybe Johnny's. But out they there need the rain causing to be havoc. Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, go check out Toasty shows and go check out the rest of my shows. I do a bunch of other lore casts over at robotsradio.net. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week with our patrons. So patron episode coming up. And until then. Stay safe on the path. There you go, buddy. All right. We'll see you all later. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.